Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house. Thank you for the kids' choir singing about joy and looking joyful while they did it. Uh, thank you for the songs that we can sing, the, the opportunities we have to worship you by reading your word and listening to it being read. And, and also, Lord, by this time where we're going to preach from your word, and we pray that you would speak into our hearts and our lives. First of all, that you would convict us of sin, where we need to correct our ways that we would do it. If there are those here who've never trusted Christ, they would trust him today as their Savior. We pray that uh, also you would encourage us. Uh, sometimes we forget that we're doing okay. We focus so much on the areas that need improvement, we forget to celebrate the areas we're doing well. And so I pray that you would encourage us today. And I also pray that we would see your hand in our lives this very week as we walk with you and you walk with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we're looking at it. We plan to do a series of messages through each characteristic of that fruit. And it's based on uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5. And as we look at Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes about and describes the fruit of the Spirit. And so he says in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse number 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now in this chapter, he's writing about the lawless ones, the ones who are violating God's word, who are sowing to the works of the flesh. And then he gets to this focus on the Spirit and this is the fruit of the Spirit. So as we looked last week, each of these characteristics are characteristics of one fruit. So we have this image that we'll look at every week of this series, and that's one fruit with each of these characteristics in there. And then we'll also think about and remember that healthy trees naturally produce healthy fruit. When you walk around the fruit trees in town, you don't hear them groaning trying to push fruit out in a healthy tree, that's what grows. And then, so the Spirit will naturally produce joy in your life if you are truly trusting and following Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean everybody, every moment of every day is just going to be so great, you know. It's so tinsel. It, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be uh, moments of joy. Uh, but we can have an overriding joy in our lives that overshadows all the little moments that aren't quite so joyful. I just realized that Donna's here today, too. She hasn't been able to be here for a while. So, praise the Lord, health-wise, she's able to be back with us. That's fun. Anna said that she hasn't backslidden. She just wasn't able to be here. So, praise the Lord, she can be. Now, as we mentioned last week, believers can quench the Holy Spirit. They can resist the Holy Spirit. 
They can frustrate the Holy Spirit. They can hinder the work the Holy Spirit wants to do in their lives. So joy does not come naturally to all believers, but it comes to those who are partnering with the Holy Spirit, seeking to follow Jesus Christ. And we're gonna experience lasting joy, even though at any given moment we might have a time that's not particularly joy-filled. Jesus had some frustrating times on the earth. Uh, but British pastor and author Derek Prime wrote this, joy is the rational state of the Christian in view of his spiritual position in Christ. It's the rational state, it's the logical thing. It's the normal thing for those who are in Christ. So let me give you an illustration. We'll use this picture. The first picture here is a Ford Ranger. It's standard equipment. That's standard equipment, Ford Ranger. And, but then they have a souped up version of called the Ford Ranger Raptor. And that's only about a $20,000 upgrade. Uh, and you can get it, and it looks cool, and apparently it's awesome off-road. I read some of the reviews. Um, but we get the idea that, you know, here's the standard model, and here's the upgrade. And joy is not a custom upgrade for a believer. It's not, if you're willing to pay the extra price, you'll get joy. Now, joy is standard equipment, essential for the proper functioning of the body, mind, and soul of every Christian. We all should be experiencing joy. We all can be experiencing joy. But it is optional. It's required, but it's optional. Some people just don't go there, right? Do not point at anybody in this room. <laughs> How many of you know somebody who's kind of grumpy pants? Now, believers should not be grumpy pants people. Believers should have joy of the Holy Spirit flowing in their lives. You can experience it or not, depending on your own thoughts, your own actions, your own walk of faith. So the fruit of the Spirit is joy. When you pursue your relationship with Jesus Christ, trusting and following Him, the Holy Spirit will naturally produce joy in your heart and in your life. Not giddiness, not passing happiness, but lingering joy that flows from the inside out. And so this morning we're going to look at what that joy might look like and we're going to start in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. So, number one, joy looks beyond the suffering and sees the eternal. Joy looks beyond the suffering and sees the eternal. Now, this is a passage of scripture. Hebrews 11 is sometimes called the roll call of faith. And then Hebrews 12 uh, wants us to focus on verse 1, devoting ourselves to the Lord. And, and then in verse 2, he talks about the Lord. In Hebrews 12, 2, see, we're supposed to be looking unto Jesus. So we are looking beyond our daily lives, and we're looking toward Jesus. But what did Jesus look toward? In verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author or originator and finisher, the one who completes our faith. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here, here's the image. Jesus is facing the cross, but he looks beyond the cross of wood and he sees the joy set before him. And what is that joy? Part of that joy is you, if you trusted Christ as your savior. The joy he had of knowing lives transformed and people changed and people being able to go and live with him in eternity and dwell with him in his father's house. The joy that was set before him. He saw the future work of God through what he was doing there on the cross. He could look beyond the cross. So the musician who focuses on the upcoming recital or concert, they're looking beyond their daily practice schedule. Uh, how many of you have played or do play a musical instrument? How many of you thought practice was just the most coolest, funnest thing ever? You know, uh, most people don't. Now, I used to play the trumpet years ago. I did enjoy playing, but I didn't enjoy practicing. So I would spend an hour or two practicing. So I said, all I was doing was playing songs that were fun. I never got better. Strange thing, because I never really had the discipline of practice. There's athletes who they look beyond this workout this week. And they're looking toward the medal stand at that competition. And they want to be there on the medal stand when the medals are given out. And they're looking beyond the daily grind. The person in physical therapy sees beyond the pain of the moment. Physical therapy is excruciatingly painful. But it then prepares you for life after therapy. Where you can walk once again without pain. The Christians who visualize their eternal reward in Christ, they can endure the difficulties of the day more easily. They can be more disciplined. They can witness for Christ more effectively because they're looking toward that eternal reward. Look at verse 3, Hebrews 12 and verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you be weary and discouraged in your souls. Right? Pause right there, just a moment. It's easy for believers to get discouraged living on this planet. We have physical discouragement. How many of you had at least five aches or pains this year? <laughs> yeah, you got a whole handful of them, right? Even these little kids, they're saying, oh yeah, my pain's that brother and that sister. <laughs> but but we, we have aches and pains. We have emotional aches and pains. Life can be difficult. And if we're not focusing on Jesus, the Christ, we're going to get overwhelmed by our circumstances. I've told you before, I love the story. This old preacher goes up to a guy and says, sorry, Johnny, but his name was Johnny. Hey, Johnny, how are you doing? And Johnny says, oh, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. And the pastor says, what are you doing under the circumstances? You're supposed to live above the circumstances, focusing on Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's easy for us to see the truth and the humor of that story. But did you do it yesterday? 
it tomorrow? We need to look beyond the circumstances of our daily life. He was rejected by the very ones he came to save. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. We cannot wrap our heads around all the suffering of Jesus. And, and that's even before the cross. He was despised. He was rejected of men. He, he endured so much in his daily life and, and then the cross. But see, verse 2 tells us he could look beyond the cross to the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. See, there was no joy in the cross. Except maybe that moment when the, the one thief became a believer. Jesus knew, dude, we're going to live forever together. You know, that, that, that might have been a joyful moment. But the cross was brutal. The physical suffering of the cross is brutal enough. But then spiritually, he took all of our sins on himself, all on the cross, all at the same time. It was brutal. <clears throat> but he had his eyes set on the joy that was beyond the cross, so he could endure the cross. Paul also found joy looking beyond his own suffering. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church in Romans. Well, you can read it. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul said, hey, right now, this moment, life hurts. But I'm looking beyond this hurt, and I'm seeing the moment in glory when I'm with Christ, and it will more than make up for all of that. It'll be better by far. It's worth it to go through this now for that then. And then he adds in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. If you love, trust, and follow Jesus Christ, then God's going to work everything together for good. It doesn't mean it will be painless. But it means at the end of life on earth, it will be worth it. Joy looks beyond the suffering. Joy sees the eternal. Paul saw, Paul saw the eternal when he was under house arrest. Uh, if you were in the Bible class this morning, I, I wish you all could have been here. And I encourage you to participate in that. We have classes for kids over in that building and adults in here. And uh, we were looking in uh, Philippians, and Paul was in house arrest in Philippi. All right, those of you who know or were in the class this morning, what was the big theme that kept showing up in Philippians? Joy. 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 Rejoicing. Joy. Paul's under house arrest. Now, Yes, I mean, he had some freedom. People could come and visit him. And, but every single moment of every single day, he had something locked around his wrist. And there was a chain going from his wrist to a Roman guard. And it was hooked on his wrist. And that's how Paul sent his, spent his days. Chained up to somebody else. 
When he had to go to the bathroom, he was chained up to somebody else. When he ate his meals, when he received his visitors. Now, the good news is, Paul led a lot of those guards to Christ. He talked about Christ. But he was in uncomfortable circumstances, but filled with joy because he was looking beyond those circumstances. Colossians 3.2, set your affection, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Look beyond your daily life. As both Jesus and Paul modeled for us, you can set your mind, your heart, your will, your attention on things of God, and then you will naturally experience joy. Joy looks beyond the suffering, beyond the struggle, beyond the temporary pain, and looks to the eternal. Secondly, joy sees the bigger spiritual part of our everyday problems. And there's going to be two references here. The first is Acts 5, and I encourage you to turn there or click there uh, if you have an electronic Bible. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at a couple of different verses in this chapter, and then we'll uh, move to another one. Joy sees the bigger spiritual part of our everyday problems. Now, I don't remember when it was, last year or the year before, I get my things all confused. The other day, I had, um, I was here at church in the morning, and I was fine. And then I went home, and uh, I took a nap, and I came out from my nap, and I said to Kathy, does my foot look swollen? And she said, yeah, it looks really swollen. And, and oh well, we came to church that night, and I preached, and, and then we went back home after church, and I was wearing slip-on shoes that night. I couldn't get them off. My foot was so swollen. So we had to work to get my shoe off my foot. And uh, so, you know, she said, well, maybe you should see a doctor. You know, and I said, well, call your sister, who's a nurse. And if she says I need to see a doctor tonight, I'll go. Otherwise, I'll go tomorrow. And her sister said, go now. So we drove down to the VA hospital in Tucson and and went in and saw it in the emergency room, and, and I had blood poisoning in my foot, uh, in my leg. And by the time we got there, my left foot was like twice the size of my right foot, and, and, uh, and, and it hurt, and it was unpleasant. And, you know, I, I mean, spending the night in the emergency room hallway is just not fun, <laughs> but all the rooms were full, so that's where I was. Um, but there was, uh, they had to give me a shot, and when they gave me that shot, they assigned a nurse to me. And that nurse was a guy who was a believer. He said, what did you do today? He's looking at my foot. I said, well, I went to church this morning, and I went to church tonight. And he said, and look what it got you. No. <laughs> he said, so what do you do in church? Do you do anything there? I said, well, I'm the pastor. He said, are you really? I said, yeah. And he said, this is great. He said, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And I got some real questions about the Bible. <laughs> Do you think you could help me? I said, well, I don't know. I've been studying it for 30 years, maybe. And so he, uh, he asked his questions, and God and the Holy Spirit gave me the opportunity to, to speak God's truth into his life. When it was all done and I could leave, he said, listen, 
I, am, I feel bad that you're in so much pain, but I thank God that you were here tonight. You have really helped me spiritually. Now, I don't remember his name. I struggle with names, but we're going to see each other in heaven. And he's going to come up and say, you remember that time you were in the ER? I said, oh yeah, I remember that shot you gave me, Jerry. That was unpleasant, but it, it worked, praise the Lord. We can look beyond this temporary pain, and we can see the spiritual part of our everyday problems. If God had not allowed me to have that, if I had not had that infection, I would have never been in that hospital, and if it hadn't been a big problem, the VA wouldn't have paid a nurse to sit there for 30 minutes watching my reaction to the big shot they gave me. They would have just given me the shot and left me out in the waiting room. But it was a big problem, so they assigned a nurse. He got paid to sit there and be discipled for Jesus. God does awesome things sometimes, doesn't he? So we can look beyond the spiritual, I mean the difficulties. So we're going to look at the apostles in Acts 5, and they looked beyond their daily struggles and saw a bigger spiritual thing. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, and they agreed with him. Gamaliel gave them some instruction. And so now these people are siding with Gamaliel and agreeing with him. And then they called the apostles back in, and they beat them. Then they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So here's the disciples who got arrested falsely, inappropriately. They were beaten when they were innocent, and then they were commanded not to speak about Jesus, but they did it anyway. And then look at verse 41. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily, in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ they were rejoicing because they got beaten that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ they weren't looking at their daily problems the way we sometimes do they were seeing the spiritual benefit of those daily problems now, I, I want to take a little detour here and, and think about when they defied the law and continued witnessing. Look at verse 29 of that chapter. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, sorry, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. So in the scriptures, believers are actually commanded to obey the law commanded to follow the law, to show respect for those who are in authority, whether they deserve it or not. We are to show respect for the position that they hold. There are some people who are in a position that get called honorable, and that man or that woman may not be honorable, but we treat them as if they were because of the position that they hold. But there are times when, when believers need to disobey the law. One is found right here. When the law forces them to do something that is against the scriptures or that the scriptures forbid, then they must obey God. They could not keep quiet. It's interesting to me that the only threat most of us have 
in witnessing to other people is the person we talk to might not like it, and so we're hesitant, and we sometimes don't witness because we don't want people to not like us. They were beaten and did it anyway, and said, we're going to obey God, and we need to obey God in that respect. So the, the one reason we can disobey the law is when the law forbids us to obey the scripture, we can disobey the law. Uh, but also notice that when you, when the apostles did this, they also then faced the consequences of it. And, and they were okay with facing those consequences. Second time we can disobey the law is when innocent lives are being harmed and you protect the innocent, like Harriet Tubman helping slaves to escape, like uh, the people who helped hide the Jews during the Nazi Holocaust. Uh, it's okay to disobey those laws uh, because we answer to a higher law of God. Uh, but if you want to disobey the law because you don't like the copyright law, so you're going to illegally download music, that's not a good reason. You can't disobey that law. You need to honor God. So, Back to our message. That little vignette was free. You got bonus <laughs> material today. Uh, so, um, in Acts 16, turn there, please. Acts 16. In Acts 16, uh, there Paul and Silas are witnessing, and uh, people are coming to faith. And but there's this woman who's following them, and she's demon possessed. Demon has taken over her mind and will and her heart, her emotions, and so she's following them, and she keeps announcing that uh, they're servants of the Most High God. And Paul got really tired of this going on day after day, and so he speaks into this girl's life, and the demon comes out of her, and then her owners, the people who owned her, who were then selling um, things, trinkets to um, people, um, they realized they were going to lose their livelihood, and so they stirred up trouble. So we're going to jump right in in Acts 16 and verse 19, and it says, When her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and observe. Then the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid, how many? Many stripes on them. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Fastened their feet in the stocks. So now they're hanging out in jail and they've gone through all of this difficulty. And they've gone through this painful process of getting beaten and I mean, arrested and humiliated and beaten and locked in the stocks. And now we find Paul and Silas in verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And the story goes on. There was an earthquake, and the earthquake then released them from jail, uh, released their bonds. They were uh, loosened from 
all the jail cells were opened and the shackles uh, that uh, prisoners had on fell off and the stocks were opened and they could get up. And uh, they, I, I, you know, I try and picture Paul and Silas, you know, they're there in the jail cell, they're awake at midnight, and maybe they're awake because their body hurts too much to sleep. One day after one of my surgeries, I was awake for 36 hours straight. Even though I was on pain meds, my body hurt too much to sleep. And then when I finally slept, I think the next day I slept 20 hours or something like that. It was, it was pretty funny. But Paul and Silas, picture him coming over from over to Macedonia. They were over in Lystra and Derby, and then they came across the ship over to Macedonia because they got that vision in the night. And, and so here they are in the jail cell, and maybe Paul's singing, hey, Silas. He probably called him Sigh. Hey, Sigh, <laughs> you, you remember that song we sang on the ship? Let's sing that song together right now. And they start singing praise to God, beaten up, bloodied, imprisoned, and paid, and they praised God because joy sees the bigger spiritual part of our everyday problems. Joy sees beyond the problems of the day. Joy sees what was set before him, Jesus seeing the cross, and what was set before him, Paul seeing the work of God through these problems. They worship and praise God in their jail cell, and then there was an earthquake that delivered them, and then there was a revival in the jail, and the jailer himself got saved in his house. Now, number three, Joy sees the hand of God in spite of the circumstances. Joy sees the hand of God in spite of the circumstances. Like the illustration I shared earlier, my blood poisoning on my leg, that directly led to an opportunity to witness to somebody who was not a believer to share Christ with them and also to disciple somebody who was a believer, and I would have never seen either of those people if God hadn't allowed me to have that health issue. So we can trust God in spite of the circumstances. Let's look at how Jesus himself did it. In John 19, it'll be up here on the screen. John 19, Pilate says to Jesus, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered, you can have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. But notice how Jesus phrases this. You can have no power against me at all unless it were given you by my Father. Do you think about that? Those people who harass you or attack you, they can have no power at all against you unless God allows it. Paul said, the suffering in this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul also added that we know that God's going to work all things together for good. See, Jesus totally understood the heart and mind of God, because he's not the Son. And he could see the hand of God in the middle of this. And he could say, look Pilate in the eye and say, the only power you have at all is what God gave you. Now, 
I'm not happy with all the political stuff going on in our country. I'm not happy with all the people who got elected. In fact, in several of the offices uh, where Kathy and I vote, and several of the things we voted for didn't get approved, and something we voted down got approved. And, you know, we can feel frustrated and we can just give up. But what we have to remember is that God allows things to happen, and God uses them for a purpose in our lives. And we can trust God. No matter what the circumstances are, you can keep trusting God. Joy trusts the hand of God in spite of the circumstances. I, I, I think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, who starts out, he's an innocent kid, uh, doesn't really have much understanding of life, has a dream that he looks great, his brothers look bad, so what does he do? He goes and tells his brothers his dream. That doesn't go over very well with the brothers, so Joseph learns from that and does it again. You know, uh, but then the brothers get back at Joseph, they throw him down into a pit, uh, they, then they finally pull him out of the pit, and he's probably thinking, oh, they're going to let me go, you know. They now sell him into slavery, he gets sold to the Midianite, he has to walk five or six hundred miles down to Egypt, or sorry, about three hundred miles down to Egypt, and as he's walking down there from where he is down to Egypt, uh, they... They often chained them up to each other, and, and it was a forced march all the way. And, you know, they get down to Egypt, and he gets sold again. And now, finally, things are prospering. Things are looking up. He, he's helping, and, and he's ministering, and God's blessing. And somebody falsely accuses him, and he ends up in prison. Now it's worse than before. And yet, that's the very place... God put him to exactly accomplish the will of God. And later in his life, he could say to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God used it for good to save many people. So we can trust the hand of God. In the days of Daniel, when a new king conquered the land, what would often happen, the new king would come in, and what would he do to the old leaders of the old king? They would either spend the rest of their life in prison, or they'd be put to death. And yet, Daniel, he wasn't put to death. He wasn't put in prison. He was put in charge. And it explains in the scriptures, because they saw God's spirit in Daniel. And so God blessed him. We can trust the circumstances of God. Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. So you can have joy trusting the hand of God in spite of the circumstances of your life. Number four, joy comes to those who give more than to those who receive. Joy comes to those who give out more than to those who want to take in. When I was a kid, I couldn't comprehend, you know, when Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. I thought, what's he talking about? Now, on Christmas Day, I didn't look forward with joy to see the expression on my sibling's face for the gift I brought that bought them. I looked for what I was going to get. But at some point in my life, I grew up a little bit, and I know when we had kids, 
and Kathy and I would give gifts and we'd be looking at each other, we'd be looking at the kid and this is so fun to be able to give uh, like this. And so we learn. In fact, the most joy-filled people on the planet are also the most generous people on the planet. Psychologists confirm that joyful people are the ones who are helping other people. And the ones who are not helping other people do not have a joyful spirit or emotion or attitude. Joyful people who inherit money often set up foundations to help other people. People who are not joyful, they'd be moan and fuss and wail and work to protect and hoard everything they've got. Now, our church went through a really lean time a few years ago, and uh, a sweet old couple in their 90s attended here, and, and they didn't have much. They lived in an old mobile home. They had an old car they drove, and, but they left church. Uh, they left money to the church, and I remember him telling me before he died, George said, Pastor, we're, we're leaving a gift, financial gift to the church. And I thought, oh, that is so sweet. And he left some to his kids, and he left some to the church. Well, it ended up being thousands of dollars that really helped the church through a time. And I thought, I bet if God lets George see this, he's just cackling, because we had no idea that was coming our way. And yet, it met such a need. And joyful people get to do stuff like that. Joy comes more to those who give than those who receive. Now, another thing about joy is that it looks different in people. Uh, we don't all do it the same way. So I caution you, joy is expressed differently. It's expressed differently. So, what does joy look like for you? Well, I, I'm going to give you a little illustration of happiness, not joy. Joy is that lasting joy that God gives to us. Happiness can be for the moment, you know. Um, but joy or happiness, my father-in-law and I are way different personalities. And uh, he is a calm and quiet person, and I'm not. And so we were watching a football game together. We were both cheering for the same team. He was sitting in our recliner chair, and I was sitting on our couch. And there, it was this stunning play right in the final seconds of the game, and our team came from behind and won, and it was an amazing play, and they scored, and it was good, and I'm jumping up and down. I actually, our, we had a couch that was up against the wall at that time. I leaped on the back of the couch, and I'm running back and forth on the back of the couch, beating on the wall, yelling, yeah! You know, and... I look over it, and there's my father-in-law in the recliner chair. And he's got a smile on his face, and he says, that was a really great play. <laughs> Here's the key. We were expressing the same emotion. We were. He's just a little bit calmer than I am. <laughs> and we were expressing the same emotion. So you know what you're going to see? You're going to see some people who are walking along, and they're like this, you know. They got the joy of the Lord, man. And there's other people, and they'll just have a little bit of smile, and they have the joy of the Lord. So don't expect people to act just like you. 
In fact, Kathy's sometimes very grateful that most of the world doesn't act just like me. <laughs> it's nice that we're different. God made us different. He wired us differently. It's his design that we be different. And so when you look at somebody else and, and they have a serene countenance, it could be the joy of the Lord. If they're joyfully uh, praising God, it could be the joy of the Lord. You worry about your joy and express your joy the way that works for you and God. And let other people take care of their own joy. Okay? Then, uh, number five, uh, there's joy is experienced best by those who trust God the most. It's experienced best by those who trust God the most. Remember in the Old Testament, there was King Saul and there was David. Now, at the time, David's still a teenager. It doesn't say that he was a little boy. In fact, when he tried on Saul's armor, he said, I've never used this before. He didn't say, dude, this is way too big. So David might have been a really big kid. Some teenagers are full grown at 14 and 15. Um, but uh, King Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in Israel. But they were facing the giant who made Saul look like the short guy. Goliath from Gath wasn't really a giant, but he was a really big man. And so he stood over nine feet, nine and a half feet tall, and Saul probably, and Israel at that time being that much taller than that, Saul was probably my height compared to the average Jewish man of that day was 5'6". And so, so to me, standing, I mean, when I stretch up, I still can't get eight and a half feet, and he would have been, you know, another foot plus taller than my highest reach. And Saul was scared and fretful and worried that David had joy. And David went out and faced down the giant and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And David killed Goliath. And then afterward, they had this celebration of the victory. And you know, and David, he's having a great time. It's a joyful day. God won the victory. And Saul's over there being Mr. Pouty Pants because the women are singing, David, won the victory, and Saul not so good. And Saul was jealous because Saul had not trusted God. So when God brought the blessing, Saul felt jealousy. But David had trusted God. So when God brought the blessing, David felt joy. Those who trust God the most experience joy the most. When you truly trust and follow Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit does his work to bring joy into your life. Listen to these words written by David in Psalm 5. Now, Saul left a legacy that was not spiritual and not healthy. And David left a legacy 3,000 years later. The words of David still encourage us today. Listen to this. David said, as for me, I will come into your house talking to God into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In reverential awe of you, I will worship you toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. 
Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. So here's the list of things that we looked at this morning. What joy does in your life. Joy looks beyond the suffering. Joy sees the bigger spiritual part. Joy trusts the hand of God. Joy gives and not doesn't just receive. And joy is experienced most by those who trust God the most. So on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being you have great joy, how would you rate yourself? The Holy Spirit wants to make every single one of us a 10. So if you're partnering with the Holy Spirit, you should be moving toward them and not away. Are you walking in the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Are you trusting and following Jesus? Are you experiencing joy in your daily life in spite of difficulties and in spite of painful circumstances? Do you have the capacity in Christ to answer yes to each of those questions? So, are you? Will you? Father, we thank you that somehow you work in us in a way that brings glory to you. We look in the mirror, we look in our own hearts, and sometimes we don't see how we can bring glory to you, but you make it happen. And so we pray that we would truly trust and follow Jesus Christ. We pray that you would be honored and glorified by the thoughts that we think, by the deeds that we do, by the actions of our life of faith. Father, we praise you. We look forward to that day, maybe even today, when we go to live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.